I invite you to turn now in your Bibles to Psalm 42 and 43. These two psalms go together, and so we will read them together this morning. Just a bit of an introduction as we turn in our Bibles to those psalms. It seems, and perhaps you've seen this as well, that more and more people today are slipping into anxiety. You know, it's plaguing both young and old alike. Why? Well, many of us are afraid of what the future holds for us and our children, and perhaps you felt that way too. And maybe you have some of the symptoms of anxiety. You find yourself distracted, depleted, lacking motivation and energy and will to press on in even ordinary things. There is no quick fix to anxiety and such suffering. But there is reason for hope. And these two sister psalms, Psalm 42 and 43, give us that hope. In this passage before us, we'll discover that God knows and understands our experience of anxiety. And he offers us hope through it in Christ our Lord. An important Disclaimer before we read it and before we consider the passage, the truths we are considering today won't immediately zap you free of your anxiety and your depression. If you or someone that you love is suffering from severe anxiety or depression, please, please contact me or Pastor Daniel or someone that you can trust. We are here and we want to help you in that. We want to come alongside you and pray with you and counsel you weep with you. We want to be there for you. And so, uh, please contact us if that is the case for you. But let's now enter into this text and quiet our hearts to read it as we find hope in this passage from Psalm 42 and 43. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Why? Are you downcast, O oh my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet a, again praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, 
for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Vindicate me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. Rescue me from deceitful men and wicked men. You are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Send forth your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Then will I go to the altar of God, to God my joy and my delight. I will praise you with the harp, O God, my God. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May he add his blessing to it as we consider it together this morning. Well, as I said, there is no quick fix to this kind of suffering, but God is still here this morning giving us something of great value. He isn't just throwing us a lifeline of ideas for us to grab a hold of and try to climb out of our suffering ourselves by our own strength. No, if you engage this psalm, as we engage this psalm by faith, we find that God himself is offering himself, his very heart to us in this psalm, in our suffering, to grab a hold of us and to pull us through. He's offering himself again to you today, Christian, in the midst of your suffering, wherever you are. And so we'll see two things, two main things this morning. First, the voice of our suffering. We find the expression of anxiety, the voice of our anxiety. And secondly, the God over our anxiety. And so first, the voice of our anxiety. First, noticed that anxiety leading to despair is common for believers. It is common. Some of the most devout believers of church history have suffered from deep anxiety and depression. Think of 1 Kings 19 verse 4, where there the prophet Elijah, that great prophet of the Lord, says this, he asked God that he might die, saying, it is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life. He was in great distress. Then in 2 Corinthians, we find the apostle Paul saying that he hit this low point when he despaired of even life itself. Or you can consider the Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon, who also suffered from chronic depression. And in his notes on Psalm 42, he says this, This is the voice of a spiritual believer under depressions, longing for the renewal of the divine presence, struggling with doubts and fears, but yet holding his ground by faith in the living God. Most of the Lord's family have sailed on the sea, which is here so graphically described. So this sea of anxiety and depression is one that many have sailed upon. But like a sea, like a sea, there are different parts to it, right? There are different currents and different areas of the sea. And so our emotional suffering, your emotional suffering, doesn't always look exactly the same as another believer. And that's the next part. It's complicated. It's common, and it's complicated. Sometimes our suffering is tied to the present stressors in our life. 
We find here the psalmist was isolated and not able to go up and worship God at the temple with the rest of his people. Outside circumstances were pressing down upon him. That might look like for you a overwhelming to-do list or some physical weakness or ailment that you're suffering right now that's keeping you from spending time, quality time, with your brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, each day we face a variety of stressors outside of us. Not only that, we find the psalmist says here that enemies were taunting him. He says in verse 3, My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, Where is your God? So he has all these outside stressors upon him, pressing down. Now, other times, our suffering is tied to the past. So we saw the present, present stressors, but then also the past. We might call this nauseating nostalgia. This is when the memory of the good old days keeps us from enjoying the present moment. And we see that in this psalm, in verse 4, how the psalmist remembers the past, and in sorrow he pours out his soul. He remembers how he used to go up in person with the rest of the saints in his day to worship God at the temple with songs in the feast there with God's people. Those were the good old days that he's remembering, but it aches him. It fills him with sorrow because the present moment is so far away from those good old days that he has memory of. So sometimes the past fills us with anxiety and sadness. But also sometimes and often we are anxious about the future. And we see that in verse 2, where he asks, When can I go and meet God? When? You know, not knowing what the future holds. Not knowing when we will be released from distress and suffering can fill us with cynical fear and that anxiety. You see, this psalm shows us the experience of anxiety and depression is complicated. It's common and it's complicated. And there are more causes to anxiety and depression than are what listed here in these psalms for us. And often the causes pile up on top of each other like layers, making us feel tightly pressed in in our souls. And so we've seen that, that it's common and complicated, and we also see in the psalm that anxiety is profoundly painful, painful. Notice the language that the psalmist uses here. He says he is like a deer panting for water. Deers pant to cool down after they've been overheating, usually after being chased by predators. The heavy breathing of a deer, if you look it up on YouTube, it's not exactly a pretty sight. This is not exactly romanticism here. A deer panting kind of looks like a person having a panic attack. Panting is a sign of distress for the deer and its need for water to be renewed and refreshed. The psalmist is saying, you see that deer, how it pants in distress, longing for the refreshment of water? That's me. That's how I feel. Maybe you can resonate with that. He also says that his soul is downcast and disturbed within him. Now the word in verse 5 for disturbed, it means turbulent, turbulent. You know, like in a plane and you hit turbulence and it's bouncy and it fills you with that kind of fear, right? uh, Jeremiah, he uses the same word, 
saying, My anguish, my anguish, I writhe in pain. Oh, the walls of my heart, my heart is beating wildly. That beating wildly. We see that emotional pain, it affects the whole body. It causes the heart to beat rapidly. And it takes away his appetite as well. He says that in verse 3, he says that his tears have been his food day and night. He's so sad and upset that he doesn't even want to eat. He's lost his appetite. And then in verse 10, he says it feels like he has this deadly wound in his bones. You know, we're body and soul. And so the pain of one affects the other and vice versa. His soul is in agony. And so his body is aching along with it. Lastly, in verse 7, he describes his experience of suffering and anxiety as one who is drowning in a sea of trouble. He says, deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. You see, it's like being tossed over and over again by crashing waves. Waves of the ocean. If you've ever been to the beach and you've been out swimming in the surf and a wave, a big one, crashed upon you and tumbled you, you know how it feels, right? The wave, it pulls you down. You get disoriented. You don't know up from down. Your heart begins to race, and all you want to do is scramble to the surface to grasp for air, to breathe again. That's how the psalmist is describing his anxiety, his experience. So remember, if you have felt this way, if you have felt that way, it is common. It's common. As Spurgeon said, most of the Lord's family have sailed on this sea, which is so graphically described here for us. And God has given us psalms like this one and others to show us that he sees and he understands our suffering. No matter how big or small, unique or common your suffering is, he sees it, he knows it. And this psalm and many others, it proves to us that God knows our pain and he isn't afraid to talk about it out in the open. And so if you feel this way, know that you're not alone. God sees you, and also in your anxiety and depression, you're in good company. What good company? With the many believers who came before you, who sailed that very same sea, including the psalmist here, the writer of this poem. And so that's the experience of our anxiety, the voice of our anxiety. Now, secondly, we'll consider the God over our anxiety. In his experience of spiritual anxiety and depression, the psalmist directs his soul to find hope, hope in God, because hope is found in the God who is greater than our ups and our downs. And so how does he direct his heart to God? He does three things I want to draw your attention to. He thirsts, he sings, and he talks. So first he thirsts for the living God. As we know, we consider the psalmist was away from the temple. Circumstances kept him from going up to meet God in Jerusalem with his people. And the nostalgia of the good old days that he had, celebrating with God and the crowds of people, it proves something to us. It proves that his heart treasured the public worship of God. That's where his heart was. He prized the privilege to praise the Lord among his chosen people. Why? Why did he prize and treasure that so much? 
Because wherever God's people gather to worship in the Spirit and the truth, there they meet the living God. The living God. Today, that means where people gather together in the name of Jesus by faith in him, they are meeting the living God. We today, right now, are meeting the living God through his word and his sacraments. And that's whom the psalmist is longing for, thirsting for, the living God. Why does his soul long for the living God? Perhaps because he despaired of life itself, like Paul. And so he went to the source of life, God. The great Apostle Paul, when he had this experience, he said, again, we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. That's what Paul said. You see, the experience of suffering can drain the life out of us. It depletes our energy and our motivation to keep living. And so like a deer panting, we need the streams of water. We need to be refreshed by the life that flows from the living God. Remember this, as a psalmist was despairing of life itself, so he went to the source of life, to the God, his God, the living God. And so when your heart is downcast, disturbed, and despairing, go to the living God. Where do you find the living God? In the communion of saints gathered on the Lord's day. Prioritize, loved ones, prioritize the public worship of God in your life because that is where the living God has promised to meet you, to renew you with his presence. Don't miss out on God's weekly gift of rest and refreshment for your souls. Thirst for God. Come to church. So he thirsts for God. Secondly, the psalmist sings a prayer to the God of his life. Look at that second part of verse 8. Second part of verse 8, he says, At night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. What is he doing here? Well, he's meditating on who God is by singing. Singing. Now, have you ever noticed that when we sing about the reality of something, it helps us sense, feel, and commit to that reality? Think, for example, of national anthems all around the world. That's exactly what their purpose is, right? As people together in a crowd sing their national anthem, they're thinking about their country to which they belong, its core values, and their own responsibility to the country. Those realities exist, but singing about them helps people take that reality into their hearts in a felt and experienced way. And that's what the psalmist is doing. He's taking the reality of God into his heart by singing, by singing a prayer in song form. But notice, it's not just any song, not just any song will do. The psalmist says it is his song, referring to the song which belongs to the Lord. And here he likely means one of the psalms of David, one of the psalms in the Psalter. He probably had a favorite psalm of his that he knew by heart. Maybe it was Psalm 130, one of my own personal favorites, which says, O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. Well, whichever psalm it was, in his most difficult trials, he sang it prayerfully. He sang the Lord's song in order to take that truth 
into his own heart. And there's a very practical lesson for us here, for all of us, that we can learn from the smallest of us to the oldest. Little children, kids, listen. Find your favorite psalm in the Bible. Go pick out your favorite flower among the garden of God's psalms and then cherish that psalm in your heart. How? Read it. Sing it. Memorize it. Ponder it. Take it into your heart. Take the reality that it's presenting about God into your very heart as you meditate upon it. Open up your heart to that psalm and it will become to you a kind of new loyal friend and trusted counselor showing you who God is for you and pointing you forward to who Jesus is for sinners and sufferers like us. And if you do this, soon you could have a whole bouquet of psalms stored up in your heart. That would be wonderful to have a bouquet of psalms memorized and cherished in our hearts. But to start off, just pick one, a good short one, like Psalm 23 or Psalm 8 or Psalm 121 or Psalm 130. Pick a psalm, any psalm, and take it into your heart. And I promise you this, God will use the truths of that psalm to uphold you, even in your darkest trials. For those of you who are Lord of the Ring fans, it's like Galadriel's gift, the light that she gave to Frodo in the Lord of the Rings. Take that psalm into your heart and it will be a light for you in dark places when all other lights go out. Take it into your heart. Now how is the Lord's song a light to the psalmist in his dark place? Well, as he's saying this prayer, using a psalm of the Bible, he realized who God is and what God does. Look at verses 8 to 9 in the text. 8 and 9. Who is God? He is my rock. In other words, on God, the solid rock I stand, all of their ground is sinking sand. As the world falls apart around us, I can stand upon this, God, my rock. Now, what does God do? By day, he directs his love. The word here for directs literally means commands or sends with authority. This means the Lord is daily sending with authority his love to you, Christian. This is what the Lord does. He sends his love to us with authority. With all authority over heaven and earth, God is daily sending his steadfast love to you. Receive that. Receive that this morning. Through Jesus, we even know this on a deeper, fuller level, because according to the authority that Jesus has in his steadfast love, the Son of God has sent to us the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. He doesn't just send us an abstract reality. No, Jesus has sent to each and every believer his very own living presence by the Holy Spirit indwelling within us. Remember that the truths about God that we sing about like the psalmist here is doing, can be a light to us in dark places when all other lights go out. So sing prayers to God. Take it into your heart by song. Thirdly, the psalmist also talks to his soul. Look at verse 5. Verse 5. To whom is he talking? In verse 5. The psalmist is talking to his own soul. First, he asks questions. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? 
Then he comes with strong encouragement. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. He took his soul in his hand and spoke to it. When was the last time you did that with your own soul? When did you last question how you were feeling, why you were feeling that way, why you were thinking that way? Sadly, we don't do this enough. In his book on spiritual depression, a very good book, the late Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones says this. He says, have you ever realized that the most of your unhappiness in life most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself. You're listening to yourself all day long, but rarely do you take your soul and talk to it. So Christians, follow the example of the psalmist here. Stop just listening to your rambling, roaming, ruminating thoughts, and instead talk to your soul. Not out loud necessarily, but in your soul, talk to your soul. In a sense, put your hurting heart in the pew, get up in the pulpit, and preach the gospel to yourself daily. Remind yourself that you belong to the living God, your Father in heaven. Remind yourself that you belong to Jesus, your faithful Savior. Remind yourself that the Holy Spirit has promised to finish the good work that he began in you. Encourage yourself with God's promises. As the psalmist does here, Yet again, I will praise the Lord. He has that confidence. Even after death, we will praise the Lord. Just as surely as Jesus died and rose again from the dead, so too you will rise and praise him. Tell your heart to hope in God. Now again, that does not mean that you'll be immediately lifted out of your sufferings and your trials. No. How many times here in, this, in these two psalms does this man talk to his soul? preaching the same sermon. How many times? He repeats the same mini-sermon three times. In Psalm 42, we see it in verse 5, and then in verse 11, and then again in verse 5 of Psalm 43. Why? Why does he have to do it three times? Because there's no quick fix or lasting fix that is quick to anxiety or depression or suffering in general. That's why we need to learn the habit of doing this regularly, consistently, more and more. We need to learn how to talk to our hearts, convincing our hearts the reason to hope in God. Or as Jude says, he is able, he is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. He is able to keep you. He has promised to be your Savior. Talk to your heart in that way. Now, in conclusion, loved ones, in these two psalms, we have heard the voice of our anxiety. We heard that this kind of suffering, it's common, it's complicated, and it's profoundly painful. And maybe you know that to be the case personally. Remember this, the Lord knows. Jesus knows your emotional pain. What do I mean? Well, this voice, the voice of this psalm, is ultimately the voice of Jesus. He cried out with stress under the shame and weight of our own sins, and under the full weight of God's wrath and judgment against us. He is able to sympathize with us in our weakness. 
Jesus is that loyal friend who can understand you perfectly, and he wants to hear your voice, share your heart with the Savior who suffered for you to deliver you from all your troubles in the end and your sin as well on the cross. And also we saw how this psalm directs our souls to the God who is over our anxiety. We saw how the psalmist thirsts for God by prioritizing public worship. Why? Because there we meet Jesus, the living God who gives us life. We saw also how he sings prayers to God by taking a favorite psalm into his heart so that those realities are felt within him. And lastly, we saw how he talks to his soul by encouraging himself to hope in God. So, beloved, at the close, look to Jesus. As a man, he has the voice of our suffering. And as our Lord, he is the God over our anxiety. And Jesus is daily commanding his steadfast love to you, wherever you are. Hope in him. By the power of his blood and the presence of the Holy Spirit, you will yet again praise the Lord tomorrow and forevermore by his promises and his grace. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, we come to you again with heavy hearts, trusting in you, that you are greater than our ups and downs, our highs and our lows, and that you are able, you are able to keep us from stumbling and to present us before your glorious presence without fault and with great joy. Indeed, even the psalmist here, as he worked with his own soul in agony and pain, but speaking to it, singing your praises, we find at the end that he comes to a place of exceeding joy, considering his hope in you. Lord, bring us closer to that place of joy and delight in you, the exceeding joy that we have in Christ and our living hope through his death and resurrection. Lord, we look to you, Jesus. Pull us through. In your name we pray. Amen.